Habits and Health, Episode 64. Welcome to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. Brought to you by an educator and coach for anyone who wants to create a healthier life. Here's your host, Tony Winyard. Welcome to another edition of Habits and Health. My guest today, Adele Spragon. She is a, an award-winning author, thought leader, and speaker and trainer. And she's won awards such as Woman of Inspiration Award, and she was recognized as a top behavioral expert. In this episode, we talk about things such as patterns of procrastination, avoidance, quitting, and a lot more. So that's all coming up in today's episode of Habits and Health. If you know anyone who gets some value from this Please do share it with them, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Habits and Health, my guest today, Adele Spragon. How are you doing, Adele? I'm very good, Tony. Happy to be here. And you're in, in Canada. I am, yes. I'm in Ontario, but from just outside of Toronto. But from the conversation we had before we started recording, you you know the UK. A little bit, yes. I was born there. Uh, moved there when I was three, though, so I don't remember it very well. But we have been back a couple of times to visit. So, so once I gets pretty cold, isn't it? It is freezing here right now. Um, we're having a very strange shift in weather. From what we understand, it's coming down from the Arctic. So normally at this time of year, it starts to get a little warm, but it has been bitterly cold in the negative minus Celsius for quite a while now so hoping spring will come soon <laughs> okay how has the last couple of years been for you with the whole madness that's happened recently oh it's interesting because it transformed everything about my business i mean as many entrepreneurs it did i used to do everything or a lot of my my marketing and a lot of my courses were delivered in live courses right. and i'll never forget that day that pandemic was announced because I had a live program scheduled to start that very week. And immediately it was phone call after phone call after phone call, not coming, not coming, not coming. And I went, oh, we're in a whole different world here. So I had to pivot like many people did. I had to take everything that I did online. I created a, a membership site and I just changed my entire business model overnight. Now, I mean, you know, it's it's working out. And as many people have found, I actually am enjoying it. <laughs> but at the time, it was quite a shock. Yeah, I mean, and I know I'm quite immersed in the speaking world here. I know hundreds of speakers. And yeah, everyone had to make that transition, really, didn't they, just to survive? Yes, yes, yeah. Well, especially speakers, right? Because yeah. they speak a lot in live events. And yeah. Suddenly, all that was gone. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I, I mean, I gave you a very brief description there. How would you describe to someone what it is that you do? So I'm a behavioral change expert. That's the best way to explain what I do. But I work differently from other coaches or other behavioral change experts. I work on people's underlying brain patterning. So, you know, the advances in neuroscience, and I'm not a neuroscientist, I'll just say that, but the advances in neuroscience over the last 20, 25 years are tremendous. And when we understand how our brain works, we start to realize that most of the methods that we've been using for personal and professional development are ineffective for a reason. Mm. So before, um, you know, before I understood repatterning and how my brain works and how I needed to change an underlying brain pattern, I was a coach. I've been in this industry for over 30 years. Mm. And 
frankly, the methods that I was using were ineffective for me. Right. I kept quitting, Tony. I had a terrible pattern for quitting. I had a, I was having panic attacks, anxiety attacks after the birth of my daughter. Um, I don't know why, but my body just started to have panic attacks. And so I was applying everything that I had been taught to do, and it just wasn't effective. And so I, I thought, finally, I thought to myself, it can't be me. Like, I've done everything correctly, everything that everybody has taught me to do. So I enrolled in university, and I wanted to study how does this human brain of ours work? How does it make decisions? How is it that it is driving the actions that we're taking? Hmm. And what I discovered transformed everything that I knew about this world of personal development. And so I created new operating instructions, I like to say. I, I started working with people's brain patterning, and the results are incredible. I mean, we go uh, before when I was working with people, they had between a 4 and 25% success rate in reaching their goals and, and getting where they wanted to go. Mm. Now, participants in my programs get an 87% success rate time over time. Like, it's just remarkable, the difference. So when we know how to work with our brain and we use it in the way the brain is designed, it, I mean, I like to say people can accomplish anything. So I'm out to spread the message. We need new operating instructions. And so, I mean, obviously, well, so you explained, you, you, you took that program and so you learned a lot more about how the brain works and so on and your operating system. But what was it? <clears throat> was it a combination of having better, better knowledge and being able to communicate that better to, to your clients? Or was there any other differences that you think made that huge difference? No, it completely changed how I see what is, how, what's an effective method to reaching our goals. So how I was teaching before as a coach is the same way that most people are taught how to set and achieve a goal. Mm -hmm. And it goes like this, and everybody will recognize this. Set a goal. Determine the steps that you need to take to get to that goal. If you don't know how to take those steps, find a trainer who can teach you or find somebody who you can follow in their footsteps. Mm -hmm. Once you know how to get there, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to take those steps. So if you can't take those steps, there's something wrong. Right. There's either something wrong with you or something wrong with the goal. Either way, Tony, the idea is at that point you quit and you start again. Right. Okay, Start again with a different goal or start again you know, with doing something differently. Hmm. Well, I was doing that over and over and over again. I was doing positive thinking. I was doing visualization. I was doing training. I was doing willpower methods. I was getting more and more education. I mean, I think when I added it up, I think I have over $100,000 with education programs under my belt. And I still wasn't affected. Right. So at this point, I started to think, oh, and on top of that, I was doing all the Eastern traditions as well. So I was doing meditation to try and control my anxiety. Mm. I was doing yoga. So everything that I could think I was throwing at it. Anyway, when I went to university and I started studying the brain, what, what I discovered changed everything because here's what I realized. Every action that a person takes, every behavior we adopt, every belief we hold, underlying that, there is a brain pattern. Hmm. And until we change that brain pattern, it's almost impossible to, for us to take a new action right. or adopt a different behavior or change our belief patterns. Right? So we have to start with how the brain works. Mm. So what I now teach is this. Set a goal. Yes, everybody wants to be something and do something other than what they're doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. 
So definitely set a goal. But the next step is not how do I get there? The next step is to ask yourself, why am I not there right now? Now, as you ask that question, you'll start to see that a whole bunch of actions or in lack of action starts to bubble up to your mind. A whole bunch of beliefs about yourself, about the world, about what it is that you're trying to do. Mm. And a whole bunch of behaviors start to come to mind. Well, knowing that each one of those is the result of an underlying brain pattern changes our focus. Mm. Now it's okay. Now I need to change that brain pattern. Then I'll just immediately be able to take that action. And that's exactly what happens. If you can remove and replace the underlying brain pattern, there's nothing in your way. Now you're just free sailing and taking the actions you need to take. So as you explained that, what was going through my mind is the moment when you had the realization that what you were doing wasn't working and that you needed to do something different. I mean, was it a light bulb moment? You suddenly were aware that it just isn't working or was it a gradual thing? Can you remember? Oh, it, I mean, I threw everything but the kitchen sink at this problem of quitting and at this problem of anxiety. Everything that I, any time anybody said, try this, I would jump at it. Right. Okay. So, and that's why it was taking me down interesting paths. Like I became a meditation facilitator. Oh, Adele, you need to meditate. Okay, great. I'll do that. You know, oh, you know, Kundalini yoga, that'll work. Go and do that. So yes. Okay. I did that. Right. Um, everything I, I was trying. So to answer your question, was it a light bulb moment? Yes, but it was a light bulb moment that was standing on a huge foundation of that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. Right. Until finally the light bulb was, oh, hang on. It's not me. It's 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 the operating instructions. Uh, but was there a case so then because you tried so many things that to try something again, something new was was there a doubt because well I've tried all these things is this really the right thing to try or were you quite confident about this new course that you were going to do would be the answer? Oh, that's a great question. Um, when I saw the that all it was was patterns, when that dawning realization actually hit me. It just made sense. And that is one thing that when people read my book, when people understand the teaching, it's, it's almost as if there's a little bell that goes off in the back of the brain that goes, that's it. It makes total sense. It fits every experience that we've had. Right. Okay. So I like to say we swim in a left brain world and our left brain very much likes to think in terms of theory. Hmm. But when we actually have an experience, it is different. It's, yeah, that's true for me. Not that's true in the world, but that actually fits me. Right. And that's how repatterning feels. So, no, I didn't have any qualms right. that I was on the right track. I knew in my heart and soul that this was going to work. And so that was the difference. But by going through that process of trying so many things and then eventually finding the right thing, I guess it makes it much help, much easier for you to help people going through that same struggle. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is, there's probably very little that I haven't been through. I, you know, I, I was an addict. I was addicted to wine. I, I was panic attacks. I was anxiety. I was existential shame. I mean, you know, if somebody can say I've been through that, I can probably say, yep, yeah, done that too. Not that that impacts what I do, but yeah, I mean, and I think that's, the, I think that's one of the fundamental things that a really good coach can do mm. is 
they've done it themselves. They've been through it. And I think that's an important part of the process because I can hold the space and say, yeah, I know you will come through this. And on the other side, it will be different because I've come through it. And just being able to say that and do that is an important part of coaching. Because in that, be like, I suppose you could say the before and after. So before, when you were in the, trying all those different things, so was there a lot of procrastination and overwhelm and you were kind of overcoming that? Absolutely, yeah. I, I was, so, you know, I said one of my patterns was quitting. So I started and quit three businesses, one after another. Every time I would, I would do great when I first had the idea. In fact, I was extremely enrolling. I enrolled partners and um, um, business people who would fund my projects and everything. And then I would get through that initial pilot stage. And then suddenly I was just turning tail and running. Like the very thought of success would just drive me to the hills. Um, You know, so that was one of my patterns. When you repattern, though, it literally is if you step out of one identity into another. I cannot describe the difference. It's not like before when I was trying not to quit. I was like hanging on for dear life, just, you know, fingernails in the ceiling. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. Push through, push through. Then I repatterned it. And it's like the idea of quitting just never even enters my head. It is that night and day. It's that dramatic. I was somebody who quit and now I'm just somebody who doesn't even think about it. It's not like I'm trying not to. And I think that's the difference when we change a brain pattern. When you think about it, it makes sense. I mean, let's just think about how the brain is. It it operates by neural pathways. There are just these neural pathways that just run electrical impulses. And it's those electrical impulses that tell us about ourselves, about the world, who we are, right? If you think about just gently teasing apart one of those neural pathways, then the belief just disappears with it. So I used to be somebody who quit. That was an action that a neural pathway was taking. I just tease that apart. It just the brain has plasticity. It just snaps into new channels, creates new actions, new behaviors, new beliefs. Nothing to fight anymore. Do many of your clients have those same issues, those procrastination and, and overwhelm and so on? Oh, yeah. Like I work with people who have all different issues, but one of the primary ones is avoidance, procrastination, quitting. I mean, definitely. I also work with people who have relationship issues because conflicts are all the result of brain patterning. Um, So, you know, how we act in in a relationship. I mean, I have clients. I had one client and he just had this pattern of just yelling at the kids all the time. Great. That, too, is a pattern. Right. So knowing that it's a brain pattern allows us to go in and change that. So it might help your audience to know how I define a pattern. So you can a pattern is an intertwined physical sensation, emotion and thought. When the three aspects of our being come together, it results in an action, a behavior or a belief. So, you know, when this client of mine was yelling at the kids, it was like, okay, so, you know, when you think about what the kids are doing, and in this case, you know, he was imagining them not coming down to dinner. And in his mind, his thought was, that's disrespectful. That's rude. His reaction inside of that, how he felt inside of that was angry and raging. And what was happening in the body, it it was tense and it was urgency and it was running to get them to do something different. 
so that is the underlying pattern that sensation in the body the emotion rage the thought of being disrespectful now are the kids being disrespectful maybe maybe not maybe they're just doing their own thing and don't even think about that right but in his mind that was how the pattern was uh, interpreting the situation we hope you're enjoying this episode of the Habits and Health podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you are looking for deep support to create the health and life you want, we invite you to consider one-on-one coaching sessions with Tony. Coaching sessions give you personalised guidance to fit your unique goals and life situation. Only a limited number of spots are available, but you can easily get started by booking a free introductory call at tonywinyard.com. Now back to the show. How easy or difficult was it for her to help him change those those patterns? Yeah, so I teach a four-step technique. So the first step is to identify. The second step is to own it as a pattern. So I'm going to explain that a little bit. Our brain has no actual interaction with the outside world. And when you think about it, it is in a dark, silent room. It's behind a bony skull. So everything that our brain has to do is is done through a process of interpretation. Hmm. Information comes in through our senses, but then it has to interpret that information based on what it already learned in the past. Hmm. If I can go back and use this client of mine as an example, in the past, he had a mother who was insistent that everybody be on time. Right. To her, it was disrespectful when people were late. So, of course, he just adopted that pattern. I mean, that was just natural for him to grow up to believing the same thing, okay? So, to own what is coming in through the senses as our own pattern is a really important part of the process. Mm. We don't actually know what the kids are doing, but we do know how we're reacting to what the kids are doing. Mm. So, that's step two, is we're going to flip that switch. This is a pattern, not the world. And then step three is to deconstruct or surrender, remove that pattern. So the pattern is just arising. And the pattern's doing its own thing. We have no control over that thing that the pattern is doing once it's in action. Okay. So our job is just to deconstruct it. It's just to become aware of how it's arising in the body, aware of what's happening at the level of body. And we're going to put it back into just a physical sensation, just an emotion, just a thought. Remove that intertwining. Boom. That step sounds a little tricky. It's much easier than it is to describe when you see the instructions. And the instructions are in my book for anybody who wants to give it a try. Um, but that's the third step is we're going to deconstruct. And then the fourth step is we're going to create a brand new pattern. Until we remove that old pattern, though, good luck, guys. <laughs> With my experience, good luck not quitting when that pattern was convinced that that was my only action that was the right action to take so removing that old pattern is so important and that's the step that most of us are missing so once they're able to successfully do those four steps i presume then it's much easier for them to achieve goals and so on oh it's 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 easy easy i mean um i'm not going to say easy easy right it's very simple to remove and repattern the brain. Our brain actually wants to be upgraded. It's trying all the time to make corrections by itself. It's just that the fastest route to action is how the brain feels is your best route for survival. Mm. Okay? So an existing brain channel to the brain is going to be how you're going to survive. And so it holds on. That's the only reason. 
But honestly, it, it has plasticity. It is constantly trying to rewire itself. So we're just going to support it and help it along a little bit. Okay. But what happens once you have removed those old patterns? Well, let's think about it, Tony. When you were little and you were first creating a pattern, let's say you were five years old and you encountered a situation, and in that situation you took an action, and so your brain just does what it does and it just created a pattern. When you were little, highly likely you weren't good enough to get where you were trying to get to. But just imagine if you're creating a pattern today with all of the adult learning and knowledge that you now have about the world, about yourself, right? Do you think you would create a pattern that isn't good enough? Highly unlikely. Mm. You're going to use all of that faculty that you've now learned, and your brain is going to be able to create a pattern that actually takes an effective action. And that's why repatterning is so powerful, Mm. because it's creating a pattern today, whereas the patterns that we created yesterday are the ones that are not working, not because there's anything wrong with them, just because they're obsolete, just because they were created for a different situation when we were very young at a time where we really weren't good enough. So when, you know, some people have real cravings, addictions, well, no, let's separate a craving, not, not an addiction, for something such as sugar. Why do you think they get so stuck in in that and they feel that they're not able to resist that that sugary snack, that chocolate, whatever it might be? Yeah, so like I said, the brain is is tremendously powerful to hold on to old actions. So I actually had a participant who was addicted to sugar. And she said to me when she first came to work with me, she said, Adele, if you tell me that you have a magic wand, and that you can tap and remove my addiction to sugar. She says, I'm going to ask you not to tap. She said, I don't know what I'd do without sugar. And I said, okay. I said, no magic wand. I'm not going to, I'm just going to give you this four step technique. I just want you to apply it every day. No. Now, this woman had sugar everywhere. She had candy hidden in every drawer of her office, hidden in a cupboard at home, hidden from herself, which never worked, of course. She said if she was going to have breakfast, it was going to be a sugary thing like a donut or something like that. Um, Always had dessert after dinner, just never failed. Anyway, so I just gave her these four steps. And I said, just apply it every day. And one of the things that this woman would do is when she went to the grocery store, she would have to go down what is called the candy aisle in North America. I don't know, you know, like the sweet aisle, right? So with all the sweets. And she could never avoid going down. And sometimes she would go to the grocery store just to go down the sweet aisle. So, you know, as she worked on this, and it takes about five weeks initially to learn how to repattern something. Every week I would say to her, so did you apply the four steps? Yes. Any change? No. Did you apply the four steps? Yes. Any change? No. Until the fifth week. And then she thought about it for a moment. I said, how's it going? She thought, and she said, do you know what, Adele? She said, I have a piece of pie in the fridge at work. And she said, and I didn't touch it. And then she went, oh, and come to think of it, I haven't eaten sweets all week. And then with this dawning realization, she said, oh, my gosh. She said, I went to the grocery store and I never went down the candy aisle. Now, that's the difference between using a willpower method and using repatterning. With a willpower method, you're trying not to go down the candy aisle. 
with repatterning, she just was unaware that she hadn't gone down it. And that's what I'm talking about, that stepping out of one identity into another. So when we learn how to work on the brain patterns, all of the problem solving that our brain loves to do when it has an issue just goes away. She didn't have to figure out, do I have an addiction to sugar? Is this a hormonal imbalance? Is this something wrong with my metabolism? All of that stuff that we start to think, just all of that goes away. It's simple. You have a brain pattern. That brain pattern is taking an action. Let's just remove that. And then let's see what happens next. And in her case, of course, her body's going to take care of her. Um, The body doesn't really enjoy sugar. So why would it create a pattern for sugar? And was she then able to apply that to other things in her life, maybe that were troubling her? Yeah. Yeah, once you once you know the tool, then you can apply it everywhere. Right. And so people apply it then to leadership issues, relationship issues, um, health issues, uh, you know. Um, and, and not now. I just want to be clear here: if people have actual health issues, then they should be dealing with a doctor, right? But definitely working on the patterns that give us our belief about those health issues—that's really supportive. So, you know, particularly with people with chronic illnesses, when they they oftentimes have beliefs about themselves, about the world, as a result of having a chronic illness. And when they can just remove that pattern, then they just, they're trusting and they're able to deal with that health issue much better. So that, that sounds like it could be hugely transformational for people. It is. It is. It is, it is the most transformational tool. Most people tell me, it is the catalyst of everything that they've been trying to date. It's the transformational tool, I believe, of the future. I think neuroscience now is showing us some stuff that we never knew before. For example, this may surprise your listener. It may not. You may have heard this, but you may not have really grasped the depths of what I'm about to say. Neuroscience has now determined that every decision we make Every single decision we make is being made in the unconscious regions of our brain seconds before our conscious mind catches up. Mm. Now, just let that sink in for a moment because that's so important to understand. Mm. We think we're in charge of our decisions. We think we're making a free choice. Mm. But how can we make a free choice when the unconscious regions of our brain are lighting up first and going, go in that direction, do that? So that's where the brain patterning comes in, right? Right there. If we can just remove that brain pattern, now you're you're take you're have the opportunity to actually take another choice, a different decision inside the brain. But until then, how do we how do we change something that's already moving you? I like to say, how do you get your hand out of the cookie jar when you're already moving in the direction of the cookie jar before you know you want a cookie? You know, if we think about what neuroscience is showing us, it changes everything. So once you started seeing these transformations that were you were managing to you know, to get with your clients, is is it was it at that point that you decided to write a book? I'm wondering about when when did the book process start? How how did that come about? Yeah, so I I wrote the book slowly over many many years. Um, I, initially, when I first um, 
created the tool and I realized how darn effective it was. The first thing I thought is, oh my gosh, I need to spread this word and I better write a book. Uh, then as I started writing it, I realized, well, I don't really have case studies here to fully back up what I'm saying. So that took many, many uh, months of me working with clients to gather those case studies and to show the effectiveness of the tool. Mm. And then, you know, it was, then I was in the process and capable of writing the book. So it took me a couple of years to pull it all together. And and did how much did it change in from when you the what you were thinking about when you first started writing it to to the finished product? How much did it change along those? That's nothing. You know what was really interesting, Tony? Almost from the day that I realized repatterning and the power of repatterning. Um. This process itself, the four steps that I described, have remained consistent right. throughout. From So for the last 10 years, I've never changed how I teach the method or what I am teaching. It, it, it's just that now it's a much richer and deeper understanding of why the tool is working and how the tool is working. That has expanded. But the tool itself has is, is just remained exactly as is for 10 years. And why not? It works. It's effective. So, you know, don't rock the boat, right? So, so does that mean that typically you're working with people for quite a short period? Once they've understood the, the four steps, then they're able to move on? Or, or does it, I guess... Honestly, it's, but that's very individual. Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. The four steps itself take six to eight weeks to really learn and to master. Okay. So, and we move slowly. We only do one step a week because it really has to be, as I was saying before, it's a subjective experience. It's not theory. I mean, anybody can give anybody theory, but until they actually get it in their bones, they can't use it. So that's why it takes six to eight weeks to actually uh, learn the tool and hold on to the tool. After that, honestly, I, I have different clients. Some people go, great, I'm good to go. And they're off and they're running and they use it on their own. Other people say, okay, I'd like some more support because I want to use it over here in relationships. And so we use it there. Or I want to use it over here in my health. And so we apply the tool there. Um, So in my training, I have different um, areas of concern that people address. So I have courses on money. I have courses on relationships. I have courses on leadership, on dealing with traumas in the past, things like that. So there's a whole bunch of courses in there. But the fundamental prerequisite for all of it is the four-step tool. They have to have that four-step repatterning workshop first, and then they can apply it as they wish. Some people do it on their own. Some people want me. And I know you – so in the this repatterning that, that you help people with, how, how would you say that differs to, to other program, other develop, personal development methods that people have? Yeah, I think the fundamental difference is that I use a method of subtraction. Other people use a method of addition. So when we say, okay, I have a problem and people look for the solution, that is what I call a method of of addition, okay? We're adding more and more and more to try and get to the solution. Mm. Instead of that, I use a method of, okay, you've got a problem. Let's just remove the problem. Mm. Let's not worry about where you're going to go next. We'll let your brain, your brilliant subconscious, work that out, right? Instead, we're just going to remove the problem itself. 
There is something very freeing and liberating about that. There's also something very different about that. I do not use any form of blame and shame. And I'm just going to explain what I mean by that. When we say, okay, somebody has a problem and people start looking for the solution for that problem, even if we do it within our own self, if, if everybody just tunes in, and it might be very, very subtle, you can see how there's some sort of who's to blame here? Is it me? Is it the situation? Right? And with that always comes the feeling of shame, like maybe I'm not good enough, maybe I can't do that, or I should be doing something different. And so I like to say in our left brain world today, we swim in a world of blame and shame. We're always looking for, is it me or is it, is it other? Um, all of that goes away when you use a method of subtraction. Yeah, you've got a problem. And that problem is an underlying brain pattern. We're just going to remove that. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing broken. So it, so it sounds like not only, I mean, they're, they, they're able to think with much more clarity afterwards, but they've also got far more self-compassion as well. Extremely, extremely. I like to say happiness is our birthright as human beings. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, once we remove those patterns, there is an underlying layer of joy that is just available. And we've all experienced moments of those joys, but sometimes they're fleeting in our left brain world, right? Whereas when we're, when we just remove those brain patterns that are old, obsolete patterns coming from our past, giving us this impression that we're not good enough, it is deep levels of compassion, deep levels of peace, and deep levels of joy. Like, yeah, of course I'm good enough. <laughs> I have this brilliant brain, and this brain is just doing what it needs to do. So how do you see yourself developing over the next I don't know, five, ten years? What is there... Are there further things that you feel you need to, to develop or is it just a matter of how many people you're able to see? What, what, what are your thoughts on, on how you're going to progress? So my next steps, where, where I'm like to go. Yeah. Um, so my next steps, like I said, I, I was doing everything live events. So all of my training now is being put into online uh, workshops. Right. Um, so I have to build all of that, uh, all of that, all of that, what's the word I'm looking for? Curriculum. Okay, so I'm about halfway through now. <laughs> I've been doing this now for a year and a half, so I'm about halfway through on the online platform. Uh, so that's my number one thing that I want to do, and I'm hoping to finish that this year. Uh, next will be to then start really spreading the message as far and wide as I possibly can. Uh, my goal is to create a movement. I really want to create a movement to whole brain thinking, to re-understanding and reworking our brain in an effective way. And so I will be finding some platform, a radio channel, a podcast, as you do, um, something to do that. Wow. So for changing the subject now, so um, we, I mean, one of the things I asked you before we recorded was, is there, have you got a book that's really moved you? What, what was, uh, is there one that comes to mind that, that has really moved you? I love the work of Ian McGilchrist. Ian McGilchrist is, um, he's a neuroscientist, a psychologist, psychiatrist, and he has really looked at the brain hemispheres and the difference between the hemispheres. And he's written a book called The Master and His Emissary, uh, The Divided Brain and the Making of the Western World one of the most 
moving, inspiring books for me. It showed me every problem on this planet and the origins of every single problem on this planet. And he's nailed it as far as I can see. So if anybody likes really heavy reading um, and doesn't mind wading through a lot of big words, he likes to use big words, <laughs> then I recommend that book because it, it's brilliant. Uh, the other author I really like is Jill Bolte-Taylor. She's also done a lot of work on the brain and brain hemispheres. She had, she's a neuroscientist. She had a, a stroke in her left hemisphere. And she explains what happened as she just had her right hemisphere to operate from. Hmm. Um, so she's written a number of books, and I highly recommend anything of hers as well. So if people want to find out more about you and, and get hold of your book and social media and so on, where, where are the best places to go? Yeah, best places, well, you can go to shift4steps.com. So shift4steps.com, that's the number four. Uh, I gift free copies of my book. Like I said, Tony, I really want to start a movement here. So if anybody wants a copy of my book, they can get it for free. All I ask is that they pay for shipping. Now in the UK, that will be international shipping. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I send an autograph copy and a couple of free gifts as well along with the book. So you might want to get it through my website. You can also get it on Amazon. Um, but that's the place to go, shift4steps.com. The other thing that I do is I give away 30 days of free training. So anybody who just wants to try free tra try my training, try repatterning, mm -hmm. uh, you can get 30 days of free training at adelsprague.com. So A-D-E-L-E-S-P-R-A-G-O-N. Okay. And, and finally, there was there a quote that you uh, particularly resonates with you? Yes, Buckminster Fuller's quote. I, I love what he says, and I, I love Buck, Bucky, as they called him. You can never change things by fighting the existing reality. To change something, build a new model that makes the existing model obsolete. And I see how our new findings about the brain are doing just that. So it's time for new models. Well, Adele, it's been it's been really interesting actually listening to this whole repatterning that you were speaking about, and I imagine it's going to intrigue a number of people. So um, yeah, hopefully a few people get in touch with you, and um, best of luck with the, you know with what you're doing. Thank you, and thank you, Tony, for doing what you do. I appreciate podcast hosts and the opportunity to speak on your channel. So thank you so much. Thank you. Next week is episode 65 with Suzanne Kohlberg, who is a mindset coach who trans transforms bodies and minds. And she's a, also a speaker and an author of a book called The Beginning is an Unapologetic Weightless Memoir. And she believes people, or specifically women, who often gain weight because they give too much to others. So we get into that, what she means by that, and how she's able to help people with issues around weight and mindset and so on. So that's next week, episode 65 with Suzanne Kohlberg. If you know anyone who would really get some value from this week's episode, please do share the episode with them and hope you have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Habits and Health Podcast, where we believe creating healthy habits should be easy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. Sign up for email updates and learn about coaching and workshop opportunities at TonyWinyard.com. See you next time on the Habits and Health Podcast.